1: I ventured in the slipstream,
2: this episode of Inside Golf Podcast Between is brought to you by, ducks by ducks This week for the website, I wrote a highly requested article where I actually break down golf outright betting strategy, unit allocation, risk versus reward tolerance. So things that I do every single week that have helped me find success. I don't think there is a one size fits all for golf betting. I think there are a number of ways you can do it and find success. This is just what has worked for me. And I want to share some of that info. So every single week for the rest of the year, even on the weeks uh, where there's not a PGA tour event, I am producing content for the site and that's the only place to reach me for personal questions as well as in that Slack channel. So head on over to rickrungoods.com, promo code Andy, and we would love to have you as part of that community. For all of my NFL content, Ship It Nation is the place to go. My NFL picks this season, even in a ho-hum, even week last week, we're 57% in the NFL this year. It's been wild run in the NFL over the last three years. I have uh, I've already fired... On a bet or two this week, and yes, those lines are going to move. They always do. That is the way to beat NFL is knowing when to bet, and that's why Shipit Nation has given me this platform to post all of my bets uh, when I make them uh, for you know the serious NFL bettors out there that are serious about following and making money on the NFL. Not to mention how much. Tambo and Hoop and all the Ship It Nation members have been killing it on the DraftKings side of things as well. So ShipItNation.com, promo code Andy, to take an extra 10% off. You can join in now. A couple lines actually today uh, that I would recommend moving on pretty quickly. All right, coming up on this podcast... Bringing on my good friend, Matthew Wiley. Uh, We do this once or twice a year where we just catch up on the state of professional golf. I think golf is in a really awkward, precarious space right now. I think there's a massive disconnect between the top players and the decision makers and the fans. I think there's a massive disconnect between what the people in charge think the fans want and what the fans actually want. I think there is a massive disconnect between what the top players think they're worth and what they're actually worth. I think there's a massive disconnect between what I think the top players and decision makers think growing the game means and what actually growing the game means. And uh, so I thought this made for an interesting conversation and I love talking about this stuff with Wiley based on his background in business and marketing Quick programming note as well. We recorded this last week. We recorded this last Friday before the news came out that the TGL would be postponed a year. Uh, I don't think that really changes any of our opinions in this conversation, conversation or ages any of the opinion, opinions poorly. I think, if anything, it kind of just speaks to a lot of the issues and problems that we're discussing. Um, So just wanted to add that in there as well. We do not discuss in this podcast or explicitly share our thoughts on the delay of the 2024 TGL season uh, because that happened this morning on Monday and we recorded this last Friday. Uh, And we're going to do a much longer podcast on this topic in the future. Uh, But at the end, we of course discuss The state of the DFS industry, Wiley's new business venture, uh, and decision to make the move to run Pure Sports. What that transition has been like, what the future holds. So, without further ado, let's bring on Wiley. All right, Matthew Wiley's here. It's been a while, man. It's good to see you, buddy.
1: Yeah, man. You look good. You You look good too. You know, last
2: last time we did this, it was January of this year. We talked about live we talked about the state of golf and are we in a better place or a worse
1: place <laughs> oh it's far worse i didn't think it could get worse you know leave, leave it to american golf the pga tour and the brain trust here to make the live product seem more palatable by the moves they've made i mean it started with the jimmy dunn secret meeting for me and completely throwing out any sort of leverage that they had long-term or at least any sort of credibility with the fans to me i mean if you're going to lose to live and their endless stockpile of money lose in a way that you try to do it with honor i mean you, you just you know we're going to stick to the fan base that loves the tour and we're going to do it the way we've done it we can improve the game but you know if if we can't compete in the money race fine but you know we've committed to our players and our fans that we're going to you know let them do their thing and that all changed you know that all changed and now i think the game is in a much worse place you know you take for all intents and purposes Live was successful in disruption, very successful in disruption, Mm -hmm. Uh, and acquiring some of the top talent in the world. They're very successful at doing that. Their product failed. Big time. Big time. Yeah. And I do appreciate innovation and trying, and the the experience on the ground does need to improve in terms of the fan experience at, at a golf game. I mean, the crux of this is people just don't want to see men play golf and that's that be it. So I I appreciate that sort of injection of creativity. However, there was never a case where the fans, us, ever said, you know what? Let's merge all these players that are mid-tier talents together on teams and that'll make us watch it more. It's a collective we're missing here. We never asked for that. The difference between the difference in golf and any other sport, NBA, NHL, I'm watching the Leafs and Red Wings and Red Wings just scored my Leafs in Sweden. NBA, NHL, NFL is that this is supernatural talent that people are watching. We all know we, I mean, I'm not gonna play running back. You're probably not gonna dunk. I no. can't be Austin Matthews. I can't Doug. <laughs> yeah. So we don't watch <laughs> AHL hockey or the CFL in the United States because we know these are the best players in the world doing, doing athletic things and pra- I mean things that we could never do. I mean, this is like you know you look at people from 1920 or whatever it was staring at Harry Houdini doing these miraculous things on the pier in New York. I mean, this is this is, people are mesmerized by things that are fascinating and supernatural talents and really the only person and and you know the name that was able to captivate an audience with supernatural things in golf that you'd stop everything to watch because he was doing things that none of us could do was tiger woods right everyone else feels like Alonto griffin great golfer but everyone else or you know you know Trying to think about. It. I'm trying did to. Did you about bring it. him up because
2: he he yes did he brought something up today? I was on the golf course this morning, but he he made some headlines today himself, didn't he? For yeah, and it was part. Anti.
1: of It's it another fracture in golf that I was I was even going to mention. I don't want to be long winded here, but my point is that there's a lot of people who play golf. There's a lot of guys who play golf in college. There's a lot of guys who didn't make the tour, but they can go out and shoot 68 on a lot of these courses that these pros play. And that's why the golf community is very chippy is that because a lot of these guys really believe and possibly so could compete. Unlike we can't, you're not going to, I'm not going to play center for the Leafs, but you're, you're a good golfer. There's a lot of these guys who are scratch who can play. So it's not really super impressive to watch even talented golfers on a day-to-day basis. And so Navalo said it yeah. in his comments yeah. that, and he, he it said, he, I'm pained to say this because no one wants to say it, but golfers make too much money worldwide. It has the, the, it has the, the sort of rating share less than volleyball. And, you know, you're getting, you're getting 40 viewers on some of these pay-per-view live <laughs> tournaments, 40. I mean, I don't, and, and, and this whole mechanism that they've tried, the fracturing, the fighting, us having to cheer for them to make more money, not once have we been included in the conversation. And so what did the PGA 2 or TGL do? Let's take that failed concept that we derided for two years, that all the people on Twitter and all the supporters of the tour said was ridiculous. We would never want that. And let's just copy it. Let's just copy it frame by frame. The releases, the team names. No one. My kids aren't going to gather around the TV set, TV set. I sound like I'm 1955 and watch Lucas Glover hit into a screen. No. It's, and if you actually look at the
2: format of TGL, I did a whole podcast on this last yeah. week. I think people are grossly overestimating the amount that of shots that Tiger's going to hit. The way this is mapped out, Tiger's going to probably hit like six to eight golf shots a month in the TGLE, maybe, maybe, maybe. And I mean, well, I mean, the Novillo quotes like that—that that was, I think he nailed it in so many ways. I I pulled them up because you you tweeted this, and I immediately responded saying, I mean, there I don't think there's ever been a greater gap between what golfers think they're worth and what they're actually worth, just so the listeners have it. This is what Nabilo said, the exact quote is, but I also think there's a realization. We don't rate high enough as much as it pains me to say, he said on the podcast, golfers are overpaid compared to every, sport, every other sport. No one wants to admit that. They don't want to say it. If Liv never came along, we're going to have so many mil- 20 million plus purses and we don't have the ratings. Globally, and I've used this a bunch of times, volleyball worldwide rates higher than golf. I don't see volleyball players racing around in private planes and all sorts of things. So we really are in a weird space. I will say this. The the only reason why the volleyball comparison falls a touch flat to me is because I think that the consumer base of golf is a lot wealthier than those watching volleyball. So I think advertisers, advertisers do have that in their back pocket where they don't need to necessarily rely on a massive, massive audience because- the average golf consumer is more wealthy than probably any other sport, like maybe s-
1: like skiing, right. <laughs> horse racing, you know, you, you're, Oh yeah. Horse Absolutely. Racing world. I'm not, I know. I, I mean, I, I can't grow a global audience in horse racing, but I'm not naive to that. Right. Right. Uh, because it's very, ex- it like, I mean, you talk about golf having a barrier to entry to play because of the economics. Horse racing is almost, I mean, it's impossible.
2: Well, I have a, this is my point and, and I have such a a strong opinion on this. So excuse this little rant. I'll try and keep it. brief. Go ahead. But when did the concept of, and I'm thinking about this because I just went to go check out this golf course it's a 9 hole par 3 course in the middle of San Francisco. I don't know if you're familiar with San Francisco at all, but Golden Gate Park is kind of like it's not really the geographically this comparison's not going to make sense, but think of it like Central Park where you have this big public space in the middle of one of, you know, the largest urban developments in, you know, in the country. San Francisco is massive. And one of my friends, Jay Blasi, this up and coming architect Completely redid this nine-hole par three course in the middle of San Francisco uh, with the First Tee program, right? And this par three course that is designed by a brilliant architect and is going to play to people like me, serious golfers, and also going to be the place where so many children, you know, underprivileged children through the First Tee of San Francisco are going to pick up and swing a golf club for the first time. Right. Like, when did? the concept of growing the game be like let's give 20 million bucks to Justin Thomas to hit into a screen like precisely growing the game is doing things like that it's creating golf in underprivileged areas it's creating golf in urban areas it's using all of that money to put golf clubs in in the hands of the next generation, right? That's what growing the game is, right? So I, there's there's become such this disconnect between what they think they're doing and maybe they don't even they probably don't even think they're growing the game that that that's all just marketing and what they're supposed to say. No, but I this concept I, I
1: honestly of honestly believe they do.
2: You think? Yeah, I mean, it's just and because they're probably so brainwashed. But this concept of how you know we are allocating our resource resources, like, can you imagine? If the Saudi public investment fund and I honestly think that I've I've floated this theory before, <laughs> I actually think that the Saudi public investment fund would have accomplished their goal of normalizing themselves more so in American culture if they just invested and bought top golf than if they did live.
1: I genuinely believe that. Oh, no, or if they just invested in the PGA tour and said, hey, we want to help grow the game. Right, but or if they just, pass. or if they just built a bunch of golf courses
2: in the middle of like Los Angeles and San Francisco yes. and stuff like that. Yes. I mean, there, there's been, there's been this massive, massive disconnect between what they think they're doing and the the effect that they're having. And the best, the best reason people get mixed up about the reason why nobody is watching live. The reason why nobody's watching live is not because it doesn't have good players. It does have good players. It's not because, you know, who cares about the announcers, the golf courses? That's not why people watch golf. I care about that stuff. That's not why people watch golf. The reason why nobody watches live is because there's no demand for it. They don't understand that there's no demand for it. Like, maybe that's just it. Maybe people did not need more golf. Why did people think that we need more golf? And I I'll think that's, that's, that's the question with TDL too, is it's like,
1: you know what it is? who said there was a demand for this? Here's why. It's because Tiger built up all this demand and he built up all this equity in golf based on his, like I said earlier, his supernatural abilities, his background, his, what he overcame, his personality, his competitiveness. He is... Arguably, my favorite athlete of all time. Yeah, gave us so many moments, indelible moments, that that you just you know you even go to YouTube and replay them because they were so memorable. Golfers spent that equity; they genuinely believed, and I guarantee it's largely because their agents had convinced them that this audience was there for them, the Poulters, uh, you name it, your two million following on Twitter. They love you, man. They're going to want to watch you play golf. Well, guess what? They don't. The problem, too, was this axe to grind between the players who left, some of them, and Greg Norman made this very, made it a war between people who loved American PGA Tour golf, the history and everything with it, and those who didn't. And that is the reason why these golfers are now confused as to, well, why is no one watching this? Mm-hmm. But they still believe they're growing the game, but that's the reason why, is because there's only one person on earth now that really people would make authentic time for, to watch play, and that's Tiger. And, and the other thing is, too, the failure of Live is that if anyone had listened to us as fans, as to what we want out of golf it's authentic drama it's authentic competition it's real tension Mm -hmm. with a lot of things at stake
2: stakes right and stakes doesn't mean a five million dollar purse no players nobody has tuned into a golf tournament because hey i'm watching the players this week because the purse is so big
1: no yes and you get that at the majors automatically. You get all those things, and that's why they're popular. But now, now we're rooting for extraordinarily wealthy people who really gave us the finger for two years and are still fighting with each other. We're rooting for them to win shotgun starts in front of no fans virtually. And make a crazy amount of money for things that mean nothing, and pop, you know, 5,000 bottles of champagne at the end. That's just not something that fans are willing to do, in my opinion.
2: No, no.
1: And I've said this a bit in the TGL
2: podcast that I did because I don't, I'm not super optimistic in TGL. I think there are a couple things from the live playbook that they can learn for from. I think there are a couple things from the live playbook that they've had the opportunity to learn from and didn't capitalize on in terms of, you know, what was this massive criticism from live? You kind of just hit on it. None of this makes sense. We don't understand how these teams work. We don't understand player movement. We don't understand contracts. We don't understand the draft. I mean, Think about how much content is created from these leagues out of team building and the draft and understanding what direction your team is going in and right. trade machines and free agents. That's how the NBA and the NFL have become year round leagues, right? Because you know it could be the middle of July and the first topic that you're going to get on first take could still be what team is Kevin Durant going to, or James Harden's unhappy, right? Like that is such a crucial component of team sports and golf just said, no, thanks. We're good. We're just going to build these teams completely arbitrarily. And nope. you're not really going to understand how any nope. of it works, nope. but that's how it's going to be. We so- know you didn't
1: want to watch these golfers individually. But now you could not want to watch them together. And that's our business model. I mean, you've got four golfers with in, in, in individually incredible brand recognition on this Atlantic GC. That Twitter has 2000 followers. That's it. That Their yeah. account is 2000 followers. I mean, it's, um, it's a, it's a, look at Richard Bland's release today for the cliques. <laughs> look at that hostage video he had to do first of all, it's Richard Bland, nothing against that guy, but I mean, no, there's a lot of guys who are on Twitter who could probably beat him. <laughs> that's the difference, you know? So in, in long and short of it. And, and so, and, 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 you know, it's, fu- it's funny because the collapse of that's terrible, but the collapse of that TGL facility isn't that just emblematic of everything in the state of golf? It's right just,
2: now? it's a microcosm of it all. It's like the perfect yep. way to end 2023. And by the way, they still haven't delayed it. Like the reports are that this thing is going to try and go on track. Their stadium's cut, you know, it's the roof
1: came off. <laughs> you just don't start rooting for a team. Like I don't know. Don't. We don't root for these players week to week. We root for. We were reroute for Sunday drama, regardless of who's in front. We root for what we've invested in, in terms of fantasy sports or gambling. They've missed that part.
2: Okay. So that is the, that's the smoking gun that I think TGL has an opportunity with. And I said this on the previous podcast I did completely devoted to TGL. So forgive me if I'm repeating itself. That is what TGL needs to nail. And if it doesn't nail that, I mean, listen, more people are going to watch TGL than they watch Live because it's on ESPN. That, those numbers aren't going to be close. But for TGL to hit and become a part of the lexicon and the cultural ecosystem as we see it on social, social media for golf fans, I think that gambling needs to be a crucial component of it. And I think that this has a lot to do with ESPN bet and the new gaming deal that ESPN just did and the fact that gaming just got legalized in Florida. If they do not nail the gambling aspect of this, that is a massive miss opportunity because all the stars are aligned for this. Gaming just got legalized in Florida. ESPN just made a massive deal with ESPN bet. So there are no excuses anymore, none for them to not nail the gaming aspect of this.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. Yeah.
1: I always thought the tour would say, you know what, we're going to allocate dollars to make these, make these, I'm not sure the connection wise they're allowed to do it, but I thought, you know. If you made a $5 million contest every week on the live tour for fans to play DFS, I guarantee you they're fucking watching it. I know. Uh, and I wondered that too, because
2: live did nothing with gambling. Like absolutely nothing. And I wonder if it's because I don't think it's, maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I don't think it's because they're too stupid. It might be because no, um, no sportsbook wanted really a piece of them.
1: Uh, it and was T-
2: TGL doesn't have that problem
1: yeah yeah possibly um you know i i i always thought i always thought i was like certainly there's some very capable talented people making all pulling their strings here at the tour and in golf and then the jimmy dunn thing came out and i thought oh wow maybe maybe we were wrong and i always thought it's You take you look at the elements of your brand, and what is the most successful part of it? What do fans in PGA Tour Golf outside of the majors like the most? What's the most popular event? Waste management, yeah, probably waste management. I would, players, no,
2: yeah, players, maybe, but honestly, waste management like, waste management is the only PGA Tour week. That feels bigger than the golf. It feels right. eventized. It feels like it's the type of tournament where you can you can go to that week, and right. whether Rory McElroy wins or Brendan Todd wins, it's still piercing through culture a little
1: bit, right? Well, and why? And why? Because a it has a signature hole, mm-hmm. unique signature stadium hole. B It's created automatic, real drama that you can focus cameras on, with the fans being completely engaged in that drama. Mm -hmm. Holy shit! Maybe let's do more of these. Maybe let's do to their
2: to their no 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 the PGA tour. Liv tried to no the PGA tour. Yeah 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 no. None of the golf courses on the PGA tour have an identity. I've been saying that. We don't.
1: For years i've been doing fucking lexington excuse me do one for the barber cell that's no longer going to be here put a stadium out there yeah have people sit, drink beer and, and yell yeah and make it a series around the tour because if you can if you can score well on these very intense environment holes maybe make that a contest at the end of the year also holy cow and we're Holy getting,
2: and, and this is good because I think we're getting into the solution a little bit because I think some people are going to be like, okay, you outlined all the problems, but what would you do differently? One of the things that I've never understood about golf, I'll use another sport as an example. Could you imagine if in NFL, and this kind of works in the NFL a little bit with like teams like the Packers, but could you imagine if there was a major sports league that did not have a regular event? In the greater New York, greater Chicago, greater San Francisco area. Like the fact that the PGA Tour doesn't regularly go to fucking New York City, doesn't regularly go to Chicago, doesn't regularly go to San Francisco. It is the most absurd, nonsensical. It it is, this is the major golf league, and there's not major events in three of the four biggest
1: cities in the country
2: it makes it makes zero sense zero
1: sense to me it makes zero sense but so much of the decision making on the pga tour makes zero sense for me like even i saw a quote just quickly but someone asked the pga because the tgl is independent of the pga tour right
2: Yes and like, no. Like I yes think, no, that, but, yeah. But
1: they asked, they asked the PGA tour marketing or brand team. They said, Are you? And I'm paraphrasing, but they said, Are you, are you thinking of taking these concepts that TGL is creating and putting them on the PGA tour? And their answer was, yeah, we're thinking about it. Which means that they haven't thought about it. Yeah. But A, probably shouldn't take those concepts. But even when you, you haven't even still even thought about it yet. So, You're right. You're so it right. made no surprise to me because I would get, and I'm not going to name the names, but a serious, serious sponsor for a serious, serious tournament. One of my follower on Twitter, he's like off the record. And this is peak live time, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, we can't even get through to the PGA tour office. We can't even get on a call. I mean, these are the sponsors that are willing to save pony up more money and save the PGA tour, and they couldn't even get a phone call. I mean, then you have guys like the Honda, I mean Florida I mean the Honda at one of the bigger Florida swings and bigger tournaments on tour, and one of the biggest sponsors, right? I mean I'm sure there's a lot of you know mechanics behind it that it would explain it, but optically, that's a pretty big loss, right yeah, so so does the tour really have the are the, the, sponsors really? Excited about putting this kind of coin up for PGA Tour events anymore, if they do one in New York, for instance. I don't know. Seems like they're out of gas a little bit. Well, that's why I think they're, I mean, and that's why they're
2: seeking this external funding. I mean, whether it's coming from the PIF or whether it's coming from private equity money and Fenway Sports Group. But did you see the Rory quote recently? About, I'd actually like your take on this. This is the one thing I wrote down because I I wanted to hit on this too. Uh, Rory said this. uh, I guess he had a press conference in Dubai uh, because the DP World Tour Championship this week. I'd like to see something similar to a worldwide Formula One schedule of, say, 20 events. Three of the four majors are in the States. Fine throw in a few of the top events on the PGA Tour, the Memorial, Riviera, that sort of things, then add things like the Australian Open. I get the stranglehold that America has had on professional golf for the last 20 years. It is what it is. Corporate America is where the biggest money is, but it is time for the PGA Tour to spread its wings and go worldwide. We need to create a product for the top players in the
1: world that everyone strives to be in. Yeah, I mean I think it's I think it'd be limiting to a lot of the players on tour because of the cost and expense to bring your team around the world. Also you know, TV windows like a big thing that Rory's underestimating is right. like
2: I think some of the best golf courses in the world are in Australia. Like I I don't know if you remember the um the Presidents Cup at Royal Melbourne a couple of years ago or 2018 or whatever it was that Ty- Tiger played in that President cup. And it was like awesome golf. Like Sandbelt golf is unbelievable, sure. but it wasn't. That's where was, I first
1: learned about Cam Smith. I mean, he was playing Sandbelt golf, right? He was dominating. Right?
2: But it was, it was a challenge with the TV windows, like the networks, yeah. the network struggled with that. It's really hard to have 2 a. A major. Yeah. It's really hard to have a major in Australia and try and sell that to CBS.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. American dollars, an American viewing audience in American time zones exactly. run American golf. Yeah. And I think it always will. And that goes to Lonto Griffin's comment, because we didn't mention that, but I saw that today, right? And Lonto really unleashed. He thought Nablo unleashed, Lonto unleashed. He said, you know, the only guy you can really talk to about anything on tour is Rory McElroy. And he is very, you know, he'll, he'll take time, have a conversation. He said, but this is becoming a sport of the elites. And um, it's not about, they don't really care. He, Lonto said, I don't really care how much money they make. Have at it. Win all the FedEx money you want. But he said, these elevated events, you know, you finish top three in a 72-man field now. You're earning three times as many points as I'm going to do that, as Lonto Griffin. Yeah. And so there is a case to say, oh, the whole play better mantra. But you need more people. On tour to get fans excited, and I found it very interesting that he said specifically names of people that in, in the elite class. One of them uh, doesn't surprise me; the other one did surprise me. <clears throat> that he said would never have a conversation with you. And Lanto's not—I mean, he's not like a, a corn fairy, no. You know, forty-five-year-old lifer. He's a very good golfer and winner on the PGA Tour. Yeah, he said Thomas and Morikawa. Morikawa, I kind of get that. Thomas surprised me a little bit. But then now you've got another, now you've got another in, internal argument and, and fight. You've got exterior, you've got PGA live, you got live players, PGA players. And now you've got internal stuff. What? <laughs> and no audience. <laughs> and, and
2: really no leadership, too,
1: right? None.
2: I- I don't think that anybody. I mean, Jay's been pretty quiet since. Um, I mean, look at the end of Wolf the season. look at the end
1: of the Tour Championship in Atlanta at East Lake. Who I don't even remember.
2: To be honest with you, like you said right? that, and my immediate Who thought won? was you can <laughs> yeah, no. Hoffman. I do remember that, but right. I cover golf for a living. I'm probably in the ninety nine point nine percentile in, in terms right. of the amount that I care about golf and watch golf. Yeah. When you said tour championship, I could not think of one thing
1: that happened that week. I'll tell you the one thing I remember is at the end of the season, after all this strife, after the you know all of a sudden, hey, we're friends with LiveTour now. We're going to partner. They're going to invest. And we've given all our intellectual property to them. <laughs> Who'd they wheel out? Jay Monahan in his gray suit to hand over the trophy. And I thought, that is there it is. There it is. I mean, Jay Monahan was fine. When they're in this war against Liv, I remember at the, at the Canadian Open and Rory won. And Rory just said, you know what? I'm going to battle back and we're going to win. And big hugs. I thought, no, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. PGA Tour needs a, 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 a face presence that is more aligned with its fan base, a little more aggressive, likes being on TV, and doesn't wear three-piece suits in 92-degree weather at East Lake. They need a character. They God, need a who's, guy who's, who's gonna, like, this is so fun. I love this shit. Who's? It's like me and dream? you. That's, that's <laughs> like who's going to do it. That is the only people that can fucking do it because they've got Greg Norman, okay? For, say what, what you want. The guy loves being on TV and parachuting of yes. the sky and doing whatever things he does. He does. right. Sorry, I interrupted you. I'm trying to think of like who would
2: be... Obviously, there's going to be a lot of corporate options, but I'm trying to think of because Tiger's not going to do anything like that more so than he already does. I mean, he, he's, I'm sure, already has a, a ton of influence behind the scenes. And if Tiger wants to get a message across, he can get a message across. But there's zero upside in Tiger being any more outward facing than he what already is. He what more can he do? carrying more
1: water. he than, do? Yeah, yeah. He carried the water for 25 years. He made so many people, millionaires, billionaires. He did networks, everyone. Golfers, he took so much, so much intake. I mean, incoming fire. Yeah. I mean, look at the documentary done on him. He had apologized to the world for his personal life. Yeah. He never once, not once, did he ever complain. Not once. No. And look at the golfers here today. Yeah. That's different. Well, what's interesting
2: is I wonder because if you had asked me a year ago or two years ago, who is one of the most successful businessmen? A really, really exceptional Wall Street type that has had a tremendous amount of success in his career, that also is obsessed, lives, breathes, eats, sleeps, golf. Um, and because I've known this, I you know, I I know his son, he I he is a member at you know, all of these. The list of clubs that this guy's a member at—it's absolutely insane. I mean, the most exclusive places in the world. The guy is Brian Kirschner. He's obsessed with golf. It's not Brian Kirschner, and he's also <laughs> had—he's also had—he's also had an incredibly, incredibly long and fruitful uh, career. Has made a ton of really massively uh, industry shaping deals. That guy was Jimmy Dunn. Like Jimmy Dunn was that guy. And then you put Jimmy Dunn in the center and he completely fangled it. But if you were asking me this question, like who, who is the guy we need for this? Who is the perfect intersection of business success and also obsessed with gets golf friends with all the players. I mean, the guy, Jimmy is, he's the president of Seminole. He is the one people forget about this when COVID happened and every sport had no idea what to do. The first sporting event that ever came back was the drive for relief at Seminole with Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. And I think Rory, I don't know if you remember that, but it was a made for TV thing. That was Jimmy Dunn. That was Jimmy Dunn who brokered that entire thing. And so Jimmy Dunn was the guy that I thought would have would have crushed this position. And and uh no next thing we know we get uh, we get Jimmy Dunn on CNN saying that he's he's personally going to kill the people responsible for 911 if if he sees them and not yeah. really, no, uh, not, not, not so, really knowing he's not really much better at Jay than the interview thing or, or, yeah. or the
1: leadership thing than I, I think you would have hoped for. I'm not familiar with Jimmy Dunn's career arc, but sometimes re- he's really successful. Like well, I know he, he's really he's successful. A, he's,
2: a, he's a big deal in, in his state of, the, there's world, two types his of, of there's, the world.
1: There's multiple types of success. The two that I'm very familiar with are, do you take a path that is highly greased, you know, New York? heavy money, mm-hmm. great schooling, you know, et cetera. Or do you have your fingers in the dirt, right? Do you start with nothing and you make, make it into something, you know, for people, what they say about Dave Portnoy, that's, that's fingers in the dirt guy. Those, yeah. those are the guys that see the other side. Those are the guys that have had to understand how to connect with people in order to be successful. They had no one helping them to do it. In order for anyone to lead this tour, they have had to have their fingers in the dirt and connect with the audience of golf. I say this to people in marketing, VPs of marketing, or people who want to be hired as a VP of marketing, or people who tell me, I had one the other day, president of a college. I said, if you're going to hire an executive in marketing, who's got to connect your brand, in a very difficult space with its intended audience, you better damn well make sure that person is able to connect with people on their own. Because if they don't have content, if they don't have a following themselves, how are they going to know how to connect the brand in this day and age to you? And that's the difference. I've, Jimmy Dunn doesn't know who we are. It doesn't really matter. No, and <laughs> But in the long run, it, it really mattered. No, he certainly doesn't, and his circles
2: yeah. are. I mean, he runs, like I said, in the elite of the elite. I mean, this guy he he travels between Southampton and Palm Beach and Augusta, Georgia. I mean, and New York City. That's where Jimmy Dunn is for three hundred sixty. That's a
1: that's year. a very different vision <laughs> than us normies. Well, me normie especially has of the world. <laughs> you
2: know, yeah, it's very it's very
1: insular for for jimmy and i think that's but that's golf baby yeah that's the sport i mean look at the guy who paid thousand dollars to play tpc sawgrass and people lit him up i mean play what you want to play golf go ahead but people lit him up and say you're crazy for paying that amount and i thought you know what tpc sawgrass is in the pga tours backyard that's the mm-hmm. pga tours brands course why not make it a little more accessible? I'm oh my to God. Sell.
2: Don't get you me started. I mean?
1: And that, that brings me
2: back to the point that I was making earlier is that when did the calculus for growing the game become lining the pockets of golfers that think they're worth far more than they actually are? Instead of, and that brings me back to the, the city's Status. idea that I had. Status. Yeah, that brings me back to the city's thought too about I, I don't understand why they're not targeting these massively dense populations, these urban areas, and trying to find. And I know the PGA Tour does some stuff with charities, but like, why don't you build a golf course? Why don't you build a stadium golf course in Chicago? And one week out of the year, there's a big PGA Tour event there. And the other weeks out of the year, you're running first tee programs there. You're doing all sorts of clinics for junior golfers. And you're changing that city's relationship potentially to the golf. And then suddenly, you also get to market the fact that one week out of the year, Rory McIlroy is going to show up. Justin Thomas is going to show up. Jo- Jordan Speed's is going to show up. Scotty Shepard is going to show up. And yeah. then, boom, guess what? I guarantee you that's probably like going to be the high, most highly attended event of the year, not just because it's in a major city, but because there's that transferal of almost like killing two birds with one stone, right? And, and I don't even think they think critically like that at all.
1: No, I... I... I, you know, you tend to give a lot of these super companies the benefit of the doubt that, man, you've got some really capable people. But then, you know, and this is not unique to the PGA Tour. I'm not, I, I listen, I've done no analysis in the PGA Tour. I'm just reading the tea leaves based on what I know about other big companies is that a lot of these, you know, people come from big, big schools, they get into big positions, but really they're just managing money. I mean, they, the brand's been built, the money's being made. Hey, kid, just don't fuck it up. And you can be executive vice president. And you think, oh, I, I've I built this company. I'm part of this leader. I know business. I mean, I've had people leave big-time organizations in big-time positions who don't even know how to get a stamp on stamps.com. I mean, right,
2: and have like, no connection to golf also. That was another TGL Or oh, the humans thing. who watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, so it, it,
1: behind the behind-the-ropes thing for golf is very important. Status is extremely big part of your your sort of your standing in the game right you're and it's it's just part of it it's country club stuff it's who who can we keep out to make me look better
2: it's natural and that's essentially if i am boiling down (laughs) live to one sentence like why does live exist why did they go to those lengths it's because, and Alan Shipnuck's book, which I would highly recommend, does does a good job of outlining yeah, some of yeah, this. Yeah. But, like, if I'm just tweet length review on why Live exists, Yesir wanted to be a member of Augusta National. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's what it comes down he, to. Like, he, I, I, that's what he wanted. Status. He wanted yeah. acceptance. He wanted to be in that inner circle. By the way, like Trump, why do all of those golf courses exist? Same thing. Like they wouldn't want him and into Augusta. He, I, they wouldn't of course, want him Trump into, wanted to be back
1: in golf, of course. Yeah,
2: they wouldn't want him into Shinnecock. They wouldn't want him into Pine Valley. So that's why Trump's in golf. I mean, that's but, what he wanted. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I don't do the moral preening, like uh, our friend Kobe said on Twitter, which is perfect. About oh, the Saudis, the Saudis, the Saudis are very heavily involved in my industry. Well, one of my hobbies in the horse industry, right? Mm-hmm. They put a ton of money in this economy because they love horse racing. And so I can't say, "Well, not golf, but yes, please, you know, Godolphin, uh, please keep buying a billion dollars' worth of yearlings every year in Keeneland, uh or half a million, half billion. um so I get that part. There probably was an easier way to become a member of the custom than starting a rival tour and ending golf. <laughs> These guys are very smart, I mean they're not they're not stupid business people, so I think we
2: solved golf problem. We no solved problem. golf's problems. Okay. We're going to, you're going to come back because um, yeah. we're going to talk about DFS too at some point. So maybe, maybe in the upcoming months, we're going to talk about the state of the industry a little bit. I want to get your takes on, um, I mean, a couple of things. You have a brand new business venture, oh, not yeah. brand new, a couple months old. When did you go to RPS? We're not going to get into this in this podcast, but I'll let you, I'll let you plug here at the end.
1: Yeah. You know, let me, you know, I mean... I will. I will say this. I mean, I, I for a long time was very. I don't say it was a huge crusade of mine to be anti-tout business or anti-anti companies like RPS or Stochastic or ETR. I took a long time, like when I do when I have any business that I want to undertake, and that's my background. My background is not just being on Twitter. I just keep Twitter up for exactly the reasons I said earlier i can't have credibility in marketing or connecting with an audience or brand or understanding the marketplace if i don't know how to cultivate one myself yeah without your one. finger on the pulse that's right that's right um so that's my daily life as at the agency so this this became a just a business project for me but i knew it would have some some sort of uh twitter pushback because it's inconsistent with the, some things i've said in the past but in the process, I learned that this was made way more than just some, you know, big T or whomever sitting in a room and people paying to watch and build lineups. So, it, 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 and I'm not going to give the secret away, but it's way more than that. I mean, I've got a staff of 50. Um, I've got people who deeply care about the members of the site and who work 24 hours a day to help decision-make in a very compressed area of time. 'Cause a lot of the members don't have that time. So yeah, I mean, I decided to take the project on because I have and have a great regard for Tony. He lives in Kentucky near me, big T that is. Um, he's a I know his family. Uh I know he's a fine person. We come from completely different backgrounds. We Did com- did um did you know him?
2: How well did you know him before you guys started working together?
1: I've known him for five, six years. He and he owned a horse with me. He owned two horses really? with me. Yeah. And
2: uh but, were you, um, were you an RPS subscriber
1: before you never, got on? Never, I never, I've never subscribed to any. Roto Grinders only for the optimizer, mm-hmm. uh, and I really love those guys. But I never really, and and I regret saying, you know, some things that were conflicting to where I am now because I didn't take the time to understand what it is that that really people were members for, right? I mean, and, and I got, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who, who like to hang out and talk and, and talk about sports, uh, together, um, and then learn things and help get content, Got hundreds of pages of content every night and just make more, more, more quick decisions with people in the know, and then, then enjoy the game together during the process. That that was more so, and there's a much deeper answer I have for that, but that's for another podcast. That was much different than what my thought about it was. Right? Yeah. And what people, what what the characterization and the crusades going on out there, particularly against RPS, are saying now. Mm-hmm. It's deeply offensive to me. Um, but listen, you got to be a little tough and and take it. But this was a big time business project for me, right? I mean, admittedly, Tony said I, this is this is not my thing, <laughs> you know, it's not. And uh, so, yeah, that's that. That's really when I came into it. But it's not like I said, okay, tomorrow I'm just going to start helping you out. I will never take on a project that I don't believe I can deliver value. Right? Uh, could could I? Could I be the commissioner of golf? I think so. (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) Well, the the last thing I'll say. The low bar. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Seriously. I I think that um, in my opinion, the foundation of the DFS industry is not actually your ability to be successful playing DFS, but the community that you cultivate right so i think yeah. in my opinion at the core of what makes or breaks a dfs site is its right. members and its discord that's what i believe personally we have an extremely powerful
1: discord and it's
2: comu- the and the community and it's like I- i've never been a big discord no. guy i play too much golf and just i'm too on the road too much to be living in a discord or dying all day but to be yeah. honest with you and i know you're the same way and probably anyone else who plays DFS is the same way. It's really hard to win at DFS. Like I'm barely over water and I put a ton of work into it and consider myself a good DFS player. But the reason why I play DFS is yeah, there's that possibility of the big score, but I'm I'm realistic about it. If I can break even and have maybe one or two big scores a year, I'm a pretty ha- I'm a pretty happy guy. The reason why people are drawn to DFS is because of the text that I get from Brian Kirshner at six a.m. on Thursday morning. Eric Cole, one under through one. Here are the Rolexes I'm buying. Like that is that that is yeah. what makes DFS fun. Is yeah. is you're yeah. you're not just investing in these golfers. You're investing in this communal experience of fucking tilting and tilting yes. with your friends. Yes. That yes. is fun. That is fun to do on That's Thursday fun. mornings when you're sitting at your desk at your day yeah. job and have nothing to do. Um, and, that's, so that's, and that's, that's, that's the really, only thing I would add to that.
1: No. And I got, I got some, I, you know, the last couple of years, especially post COVID, I I was part of this contact high with a lot of negativity on Twitter. And I started getting more negative myself and you could see it in my tweets only because I was just frustrated with, you know, the, the sort of the, the golf content being my only outlet really, or what, what I was known for. I really loved doing content. And, uh, you know, I, I, I finally, when I, made the decision to invest in and, and really take a business leadership role at, at Rumpier Sports. It really changed my attitude about everything. Um, it made me a more, you know, more positive that people I could possibly help, both in business or, you know, I don't consider myself a tout at this company at all, but I do wake up in the morning, the first thing I go to is the hockey chat. And I talk to these guys all day. Not that I have to, I just enjoy it. Because
2: it's fun. Like that's the thing. It's fun. And the the first thing I said,
1: the first thing I said before I joined the company, I said, I said to everyone who had a stake in it, I said, this company will be successful for one reason alone. And that's culture period. You know, you create a good culture, you're going to create a good company. And so that has really been my mission. And it's really changed my attitude. And some people will never get over it. I know that on Twitter, I need to stop fighting that. Um, I think it's, I think it's unfortunate, very unfortunate. Um, but you know, it's part of life, right? It says more about them than it does about me. And that's it. I mean, that's, that's where we are. So this should be the Andy Lack and Wiley show. We should do it every week.
2: I'm telling you, man, we'll, we'll talk. Um, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to stop recording now, but, um, We'll give you a couple more of these in the, in the near future. You get you told me you'd come back now. I'm going to hold you to that to talk more about- Oh, we
1: started mm-hmm. recording already?
2: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah, brother. Talk soon, buddy. All right. That is it for the podcast. We will be back next week, kicking off one of my favorite two-week stretches on the podcast of the year. We're bringing back Twitterless Steve to do part one and part two of our way too early 2024 majors preview so next week we are going to be diving deep into augusta national and valhalla following week we're gonna talk pinehurst and royal Troon. uh but this is always uh one of the more higher performing episodes one of the more fun episodes to record i think one of the more informative episodes that i do Every single year in December, uh, late November, early December Twitter list, Steve and I give you everything you need to know way too early on these major venues. And hopefully that can inform some future betting that you might want to take part in this winter. Uh, but it's kind of an inside look six months out, um, for a couple of these a little shorter in, in the form of the masters for a major season. Right. And, um, A lot to look forward to this year in terms of the venues, Uh, I think. Not quite the same excitement level that uh, Steve and I had last year is Steve being a Rochesterian and me being a bit of an adopted Rochesterian. Uh, But I've played Pinehurst. I think it's a wonderful place. Um, I went to college down there. I went to the 2014 U.S. Open there. And uh, I actually got to play golf a couple months ago with uh, one of the Valhalla guys or one of the guys from Kentucky that has played Valhalla a bunch. So I'm super excited to talk about these golf courses. Uh, and we'll embark on that journey next week. Until then, best of luck with, uh, no golf bets, but I guess your NFL bets this week. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Uh, and we will see you next time. Cheers.
1: If I in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream.